Nurse Papa is brought to you by Just Some Podcast Media. Dun, da, da, da. The views on this podcast are those solely of the host and do not represent the views or opinions of any other institution. <laughs> Welcome to Nurse Papa, a podcast from the heart and mind of a pediatric oncology nurse and father. In each episode, I take a deep dive into a story of parenthood and hopefully come out on the other side with a better understanding of what makes kids and their parents tick. At the conclusion of each episode, I'll tackle a parenting question from one of my loyal listeners in a segment I like to call Dear Nurse Papa. Let's get started. What's the story about today, Papa? Sweetie. I think you need to clean up all your toys before we start. Oh, Papa, why? Doesn't it make you feel a bit crazy to have all your toys everywhere? No, Papa, I like it how it is. You like a mess? Yes. Okay, here we go. Yes, Papa, here we go. Don't mess with my mess. The creative chaos of children. The balance of powers are shifting in our home. The natives are restless. Like opportunistic sharks, they smell blood in the water and are slowly circling the parental unit. In the interim, clothing has become more or less an unenforceable suggestion. Yes, on the surface, the parents are still in charge. We continue to hold sway over who gets dessert and when. The determination of screen time remains the forever proverbial carrot in our pockets. Yet lately, Rather than actual quantifiable assets, these well-worn tools feel inadequate. Our two naked kids navigate our home like berserk Viking warriors, leaving in their wake a disheartening flurry of stale Cheerios, plastic toys, and tears. Make no mistake, a rebellion is certainly underway, and the main point of contention is the cleanliness and order of our shared home. We are living on top of each other these days like layers in some bizarre cheesy lasagna. Before this all started, my kids used to have much less opportunity to sow their chaos in our home. They are here just about all the time now though, and they have made it their conscious goal to make a proper mess of the place. As this pandemic lingers on like some old man's BO in an elevator, I have felt compelled to restore some modicum of order to help maintain my mental stability. This is not a novel coping mechanism for me. It has always been my habit to attempt to bring order to my immediate surroundings when my interior world feels precarious. A subtle suggestion to my psyche that it's time to calm the fuck down. This no longer seems to be an option though. My kids consider a clean space to be an affront to their entire way of being and an implied invitation to destroy it. Their protests to clean their messes usually manifest as a series of discontented groans, distinctly hairy eyeballs, and purposefully dramatic relocations to the floor. Lately though, I have noticed a much more nuanced and subversive response. Last week, I asked my five-year-old daughter to tidy up a mess which she had meticulously manufactured over the previous hour. 
Contrary to her usual playbook, she did not whine, complain, or beg that I assist her in her task. The gears of defiance were turning though, and I did not see it coming. As my daughter thoughtfully surveyed the swarm of toys and pink plastic edifices surrounding her, she paused and said without irony, Papa, can you play that hard not life song from the musical Annie while I clean? Um, sure, I said. And as I searched through Spotify for the soundtrack to the original 1982 version of Annie, it took longer than it should have for me to realize I was being trolled. <laughs> trolled by a very witty young lady. Her subtle suggestion that there was little metaphorical space between herself and poor orphan Annie was brilliant, even if it did cast me as a dreadful Miss Hannigan. My pride for her repartee was outmatched only by my realization that my quest for cleanliness is a Sisyphean one. No matter how much I demand the contrary, my kids will continue to make their mess unabated. That is how they are built. It is their happy place. They learn to make and to create from the rubble of that which they once knocked down. Chasing after them with a dustbuster in hand and picking up the crap that they have dropped is the dumb dad equivalent of pushing a boulder up a steep hill each morning, only to watch it roll back down just as I have reached the top. It may bring temporary satisfaction or a false sense of control, but it also brings an equal amount of pyrrhic frustration. It prevents me from engaging in something else much more productive. This compulsion to constantly clean the messes of others also disregards my kids' own very particular brand of emotional comfort these days. Yesterday, as I was shoveling an immense pile of multicolored Legos back into the basket from which they had been dumped, my four-year-old son made his desires very clear when he demanded, Don't mess with my mess! Don't mess with my mess. In this incredible moment in time, it is our kids who we are asking the most of. With little warning, their universes have shifted. These social interactions which they once took for granted, schools, parks, even a simple playdate with a good friend, are no longer available, are almost inconceivable without face masks and six feet of separation. My kids need more. They deserve more. They crave the chaos and commotion that physically and emotionally bumping into many of their little minds and bodies provides. Without this easy social stimulus and steady supply, they must manufacture a facsimile of it on their own. Ready, set, go! They are compelled by the deep wells of angst and energy in their souls to stir the pot that is their living environment, to be sloppy and free, to learn from the disorder, and yes, to make a goddamn mess of things. As much as it kills me, I now realize that I need to become more comfortable with the mess around me. I need to acknowledge that the ordered environment which I constantly crave can at times be a creativity killer for my kids. It can also be a creativity killer for me. The absolute best part of being a dad is becoming immersed in the imaginative chaos that comes so easily to my kids. The goofy games and the off-the-wall ideas that surface only from the unconstrained, bubbling mind of a child. When I focus only on the mess, I rob myself of this abundant parental joy. I miss out on the real good stuff. I also need to stop being so arrogant as to claim that I am the only one in this house who carries the mantle of organization. My intrepid son, the tinkerer, the little builder, has innovated his own very special form of object classification. Just because his system of meticulously placing countless small plastic objects within random vessels around the house 
is verifiably nutty and makes absolutely no sense to me does not make it any less valid. It just means I need to learn more about it. And also, that none of the board games in this house will ever be whole again. Most of the pawns on our chessboard have been replaced by random nickels and quarters. The board game Sorry might as well be renamed Sorry, you ain't playing this one again. And I will be forever rediscovering colorful Chinese checkers all over the house. Does this mean that I am going to totally give in to the chaos that has become our pandemic home? No! Of course not. To do so would revolt against every last organized cell in my body. I will still sweep and mop the floors at the end of the day, should I have the energy to do it. I will still pick up and organize the mounds of plastic toys, clothes, and other items which cover our home like harmless little landmines. I just might try to be more thoughtful about how and when I do it though. I will temper my urgent pleas to my kids to clean up after themselves, even as they are still fully engaged with their play. I will try to always keep in mind that we all live in this lasagna together, and that we must all give each other the personal space to be who we truly are, without judgment. I will try. Really, I will. The process might just be a bit messy. In this letter to Nurse Papa, a father from Brooklyn, New York, ponders how he and his wife will make it through a 10-hour flight with their squiggly, one-year-old daughter. Dear Nurse Papa, my wife and I have a beautiful 10-month-old little girl. Because she was born at just 27 weeks, she spent the first three months of her life in the hospital. It was an extremely challenging time for all of us. Right after we brought her home, COVID hit New York. So, as you can imagine, we have not been out too much. Almost a year later, we are planning our first vacation. And suffice to say, we are extremely excited about spending time as a family in a new and exciting locale. Unfortunately, this trip is going to involve an uninterrupted 10-hour flight. We have never flown with our baby before. Our longest trip has been a stroll around the neighborhood. We are very nervous about this upcoming experience. Our daughter isn't the best at napping and we aren't in love with the idea of putting a screen in front of her for hours on end. Do you have any advice for us? Thanks, Nurse Papa. Dad on Vacation Dear Dad on Vacation, Have you ever considered a lovely New Jersey getaway instead? Hmm? I hear it is quite beautiful and warm there in the winter. Hmm. Bless you for taking the airplane plunge with your daughter and I fully understand your apprehension to endure a 10-hour flight with a new baby. I'll be honest, traveling with young kids is never easy. Being stuck in a confined space with a baby for that long of a time is especially challenging. I have vivid memories of much shorter flights with my toddler daughter, the events of which would make your skin crawl. There was lots of screaming, crying, and gratuitous nudity. And that was just me. Suffice to say, Nurse Papa and his family are no longer welcome to fly the friendly skies with a major airline company which will remain unnamed. I'll give you a clue though. It rhymes with wet glue. Dad, I know you are specifically interested in how to best entertain your little one during this long flight sans iPad, but I thought it would be useful to provide you a more comprehensive game plan which will help you survive this flight 
and many more to come. Bear in mind, as your child gets older, your travel considerations will also change. But what will not change is that being prepared is the most important thing you can do. I know this to be true because on most of the flights we have taken with our two young kids, we have been woefully unprepared. Snacks have been forgotten, iPads have been poorly charged, attitudes have been bad. Yes, I have learned from my failures, and so will you, Daddy. First things first, always remember to bring proof of age for your daughter with you on your trip. Her insurance card with a date of birth will usually suffice. Often, the airline will not ask for proof that she is under two years old, but if they do and you don't have it, they can legally refuse you. More importantly, make sure to bring your ID which indicates that you are over 21, because brother, you will most certainly need a drink at some point during this flight. As you enter the airport for the first time with your baby girl, I highly suggest that you already have that carrier strapped to your waist and your daughter in it. You're going to need both your free hands to hold all your luggage, wipe your sweaty brow, and pat yourself on the back because, so far, you are winning this travel with a baby thing. Your first strategy will be to allow your little one to get all her wiggles out before you board. Let her crawl and roll around to her delight before the flight takes off. Bring a blanket to place on that disgusting airport floor if she is not walking yet. Hopefully, this will calm her down for takeoff and the first leg of the flight. We use the same method before putting our kids to bed at night. They are usually running around like wild bohemians five minutes before they are completely passed out. Most kids need to be active before they settle down for a while. Give your baby this chance too. Daddy, your next big test will happen at the actual departing gate. Your parental intuition might lead you to believe that it is a no-brainer to take advantage of the family boarding opportunity, and you would not be incorrect in most situations. Consider this though, from boarding to takeoff can sometimes be a good hour. Your maniac child will be on that plane for the next 10 hours. Do you really want to extend that period? Instead, consider having one parent board the plane with all the carry-ons and baby items during the family boarding. Leave the other parent at the gate with the baby. This arrangement allows you to board with ease without extra plane time for your baby. It also gives you a half hour of alone time on the plane to check out a new podcast. Have you by any chance listened to a great one called Nurse Papa? I highly suggest it. It is so choice. Once the plane leaves the ground, make sure your little one is eating, drinking, or breastfeeding. This is the baby equivalent to chewing gum and will help prevent your daughter from experiencing pain as the air pressure in the cabin changes. A pacifier will also work if that is her bag. This move might make or break your experience. A baby with an earache is not one you want to spend time with in a plane for 10 hours. Do the same thing when the plane is descending to your destination. Okay, you've made it. You're in the air. Now what the hell do you do with this little child of yours for the next 10 hours? You said that you prefer not to stick her in front of a screen for the entirety of the flight, and I fully endorse this plan. I don't think a screen would distract a child of her age for too long anyway. No daddy, keeping a 10 month old entertained for 10 straight hours will require a multi-pronged plan. Okay, so you've been on the plane for a few hours now and your little lady is beginning to get restless. Your main goal here is to provide a variety of experiences in order to break up the monotony before she completely loses her shit 
it's time to offer some enriching distraction. Bring a selection of five to six new toys that she has never seen or played with. For a girl of her age, toys with lots of tactile, motor, and color variety would be good. If they make a sound, make sure the volume can either be lowered or muted so as to be kind to your childless seatmates. Introduce these toys serially over the duration of the flight. Each time she seems to be getting restless, bring in a new toy to once again distract her. You can think out of the box too. She might be as thrilled by a barf bag or a cup of ice as she is by a shiny new gadget. Just like fancy new items help to keep your daughter's attention, mixing up her immediate environment is also key. You might now be thinking to yourself, Nurse Papa, what are you talking about? We are stuck on a goddamn plane. How do we change that? To which I reply, First, watch your language. Nurse Papa is the only person who gets to swear inappropriately on this podcast. Then I would say that even the smallest change in surroundings can lead to a more novel experience for a baby. Because the parents outnumber the kiddo two to one, make sure to hand off your baby between the two of you frequently. Some parents even take the novel approach of sitting across the aisle from each other so they can provide an instant scenery change. Baby sad? Hand her over to a new happy place on the other side of the plane. If you have a window seat, the view outside is also a prime distraction. New faces and new places is the key. We were quite lucky on one hard flight when a couple of Korean grandmas were so entranced with our biracial baby that they held and played with her for two blissful hours. So, keep a lookout for likely ethnic grandma babysitters too, if you feel comfortable with that. Nurse Papa definitely does. Daddy, my final baby on a plane distraction device is a classic one and will be indispensable here too. It is something we all need and love, food. Feed your baby well, often, and with a variety of time-tested and new foods. The last thing you want is a hungry baby. They tend to cry and make your life miserable. The great thing about food as well is that it does not just feed the belly, it feeds the soul. Do you remember when your mom used to tell you not to play with your food when you were a kid? Well, ignore that bullshit advice. Food is oh so much fun to play with and can provide literally hours of distraction for your daughter. Finger foods such as Cheerios, diced fruit, and those gross baby wafers will work the best. She may make a mess of it, but she will also be happy. Play with that food, dude. Finally, Dad, there is a good chance that no matter what you do, your baby will be absolutely miserable at some point during this long-ass flight. Take it in stride. As she howls like a sad baby Freddie Mercury, don't worry too much about the disturbance you are causing your fellow passengers. Most of them will already have been through this or dealt with a hysterical baby of their own on a plane. Just take care of you and your family. And remember, there is always lovely New Jersey for your next vacation destination. Good luck, my friend. You're gonna need it. And a few drinky drinks along the way, too. Love you more than you'll ever know. Nurse Papa. Podcasts like mine depend upon the ratings and reviews of happy listeners to spread the word. Please take a moment to give your good old friend Nurse Papa a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a thoughtful written review. 
Send a screenshot of your review to david at nursepapathebook.com or better yet, post it on Instagram and tag at nursepapathebook and I will pick one lucky winner to receive a very personalized message from my incredibly cute daughter (laughs) that will be played on a future episode. Good luck! Are you a parent struggling to do best by your child? Is there a particular quandary of parenthood that has got your goat? If so, write to Nurse Papa. Send your question to david at nursepapathebook.com and I just might feature your letter in my next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nurse Papa. Remember, Nurse Papa is also an upcoming book about my experiences as a pediatric nurse and father. For more information about the book, please visit nursepapathebook.com. Stay safe out there and keep on parenting.